What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats with Dom and Chris, the show where we talk about everything from music production to the spiritual side of music creation. I am Chris. And I am Dom. And here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another podcast uh, with Chris and Dom. Uh, what are we calling it these days? The Poolside Chats? Poolside Chats! We have another scintillating one for you today. We do. It is very scintillating. Tintillatingly scintillating. If you call time-based effects nice mm. and scintillating to mm. your senses. Those are. In the summertime, <laughs> sometimes the spring. <laughs> yes. Mm. I love time-based effects. They're uh, very saucy, very sultry, very sexy, very seductive. Yes. They add the gel you need they do. and the depth you want. They do. When used properly. When used properly. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, guys. We're going to teach you. Or make your head roll back in disgust oh, when used oh, over. Oh, man. Overly there, there is nothing worse than an overly effects-saturated mix. So we might teach you something. We might not. Who knows? You know, we're in for a wild ride tonight. But our, our first topic, uh, Dom's going to kick it off for us, is the wonderful, wonderful, scintillating nature of effects. Div- of delay, reverb delay, reverb delay, <laughs> the reverb delay chorus. I haven't figured out how to get delay without reverb. You have or you haven't? I haven't. It's just every time I use one or the other, they come with both. Maybe really? I'm using the wrong plugin. Really interesting. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, that you, you might be. be. You might be. Why is my mic so? I'm gonna move this mic for a second. Hope you like these sounds. Yeah, you guys enjoy that. I'll just talk over it to give you guys some uh, some background noise while Dom is uh, readjusting his. Are we playing pool today? SM7B. Uh, yeah, yes, it's, it's your break. of course, of course. Dom just won the oh, warm yeah, up right. game, so he's gonna break while I I get the ball the ball rolling here. Warm up. Yeah, it was kind of a warm up game. All right. So, anyways, uh, it's a pretty shitty break. It's all right. I mean, it's, there's space. All right, fine. Space, so, get it? Ha, 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 ha. All right, so let's start off with, um, let's start off the reverb. Dom, I know you just got a brand new hardware reverb unit that you're pretty excited about. <laughs> you were just like, let's uh, stay away from the hardware today. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I did. Say. No, but what's, did. Cool, what's yes. cool about this hardware, yes. though, is that brand spanking new, it's $300. So this is plug-in price territory. I just used, no wonder it was a shitty break. I used oh, your pool that, stick. That's it. I'm not, I wonder if it felt a little weird in my hands. A rare, unfriendly stick in my hands. <laughs> so you're all about friendly sticks being then, right? Better than unfriendly ones. Fair enough. Wasn't used to the weight or the, um, the camber of it. The camber. Um, so, yeah, I uh, saw this reverb online, didn't really think much of it. Um, told Chris about it. He has good rapport with Guitar Center. He found one. On the cheap side, um, end up getting a hundred dollars off, and that reverb is the Lexicon MX three hundred. There's four different models. The two hundred only has TRS and it's stereo. The MX three hundred is XLR stereo, and then the MX four hundred and four hundred XL are TRS and XLR, but surround capabilities, and um, or at least it has another stereo input and output. But yeah, I love it. It's great. Um, finally glad to be out of the box with reverb, but um, that's just me personally, and we're going to talk about a lot of different reverbs and why mm-hmm. we like to use them we and are. why we actually never use them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we use them all the time. We use them all the time. <laughs> the, tri- the, the tricks of the pros is you never use time-based effects. <laughs> yes. You just uh, create a lot of... 
sounds in the microphone and then you record those, print them to your track, reverse them. And then uh, you add pitch modulation. Yeah, every time you hear reverb in a track, it's actually the engineer. They make their own every time. You just stand back and go, it's true. It's true. What what we do is we just hang microphones in random places and just capture whatever's going on in the room. Well, that's actually a technique. That is a technique, yes. Not commonly used, but it's done. It is. It's very exhausting, but you can do it. No, My shot? I I will say your shot, yeah. Did you make anything? I did. I made solids. So, um, Zen. Buddy, no biting. Knock it off. Don't do that. Chew your bone. Um, so, yeah, the reverb that Dom got, I will say I was very impressed with it. I've got some uh, Lexicon hardware units myself. Love the Lexicon. In case you guys are wondering, Lexicon does make some great stuff in plug-in form. In fact, uh, their new bundle, it's not new, it's been around for quite some time, is actually modeled after the PCM92 hardware, which is like a $2,000 hardware reverb unit. No, they do. They do. I, I mean, I don't know the facts. That that could be correct. All I know is that the plugins are, are modeled. They aren't. Facts are not important. The, the plugins are modeled very closely after the hardware. And I will say that they do sound great. Um, I did have the plugins before owning the hardware. I sold the plugins to get the hardware. Very happy with my decision. But nonetheless, they did do great. So um, I will say the cheap reverb unit. Uh, I'm really cautious about multi-effects units um, that are under... but this unit, guys, it sounds really, really great. And what I like about it is it has a USB port on it. So you can actually plug it into your computer and there's a plugin that comes with it and use it as a plugin, which is also very Very modern day accessibility. But even the, I don't even use a plugin at this point. The menu is super navigable, navigable, navigatable. And uh, I've been really enjoying it, but enough about that unit. Um, If you want to check it out, check it out. Uh, Super cheap. I endorse it without any, um, kick back my way but i just we just endorse things we like and we like telling you about things we find out um but let's just get into the world of reverbs yes let's talk about why you might want to use reverb why it's even why even why do you even like reverb on tracks what's what's even the the reason that that's even an effect Mm. why did we spend the time to emulate real spaces by using a bunch of quick delays Mm in the first place? It's a great question. Um, Why does it matter? Well, I think, you know, when we were back in the day of recording in in real spaces, um, a lot of times the room sound was a highly desired sound. Um, So when you go, for instance, to a, a, a major studio and you're recording in a mini hall or a small cathedral or a really, really ambient drum room, the room mics picked up that sound and room mics were generally always used, blended, often parallel compressed into the track and that became the sound. So I think that early on in engineering, we got so used to hearing rooms and halls in the sound that it became a very desired result. So I think that all the simulations came out to try to recreate that in the digital realm because not all of us have the luxury of going to a, a giant cathedral and well, recording an orchestra. Well, let's uh, go over, um, or while you take a shot, just go over um, the natural, because re- there's so many different genres of reverb that we have out there now. If you get a reverb plug-in, um, you'll see lists of different ones like plates, halls, rooms, um, chambers. And so it's really, really helpful to know why these reverbs were made and also which ones are emulating an organic space 
are supposed to be or which ones are emulating an analog piece of equipment that was supposed to emulate an organic space. Right. And they did different things. And it's funny because one of our, the most used reverb probably of all time is a plate. Yep. That's my favorite. It's everyone's favorite. It adds width. Yep. Um, stays out of the way of most things. Yep. And it just adds interest and it intrigue does. to a mix. It <laughs> and it, um, it was that a plate is like a digital plugin of a plate is emulating an analog piece of gear that was emulating real spaces. And and a plate, by the way, is a literal metal plate inside of a box. Yeah, like the old EMTs yeah. are the probably the most renowned, and they make right. plugins of them. Right. Yeah, right. The EMT one twenty and the two forty. The one forty and the two fifty. Yes. 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 You're right. Yes. <laughs> uh, those are great. Yeah, they sound awesome. Um, yeah, plates. My my go to reverb without a doubt. And then springs, another unnatural one. It that is literally metal springs. Yep. Found in a lot of guitar amp guitar heads. Amp. Yep. And then, but then you get your natural ones like chambers, which nice studios. There are very few still actually mm-hmm. at chambers underground, mm-hmm. right? Where they'd stick the singer in there or stick a speaker in there and then capture it, right? Um, but yeah, and these were just long underground bunkers basically. (laughs) And, uh, that was another reason to go. So it's funny to think how we just use reverb, like it's nothing now, Right. but people used to pay, like you said, for these nice rooms, especially like these nice jazz rooms Mm -hmm. and these nice chambers. And that was a huge part of, yeah, of being able to go to the studios. I, I took a class uh, a couple of years ago and the class was put on by Sennheiser and it was at Skywalker Ranch. And if you guys have never heard of Skywalker Ranch, it is this amazing, like, 100-acre complex. And all they have are these massive, gargantuan buildings. And they do they did all the Star Wars soundtracks of their big movie scores of film there. They have scoring stages to fit, you know, 92-piece orchestras. Yeah. And, I mean, if you guys could see this room, I mean, the gobos alone were on, like, wheels. These gobos weighed, like, 300 pounds. I mean, they were, like, architectural pieces that were just beautiful to look at. The ceilings were... 85 feet tall, you know, and it's like the diffusion in there was amazing. And it's like just walking into this room, like you could hear footsteps echo for like four seconds. It was breathtaking. But yeah, I mean, that's why these rooms existed is they have these orchestras would go there, these bands, and you were paying for the room sound. And that just became such a big part of music. And it's it's disappointing that we all now click a reverb plug in. And to us, it's just an echo or it's just yeah. a space. But man, if you go to a room and you're talking with somebody in a room that has 85 foot ceilings, I mean, you just you feel the sound surround you. It's a cool experience. Yeah, especially if you're in these cathedrals. Like I've been in Notre Dame and uh, Paris, you know, and... Yeah. It's same same thing. You're like, man, I wish I could just get a drum set in here. <laughs> Anytime you wish you could just get a drum set in a room, you know you're in a good room. Um, yeah. Well, oh yeah. So, um, speaking of like different beautiful rooms, most of the time, what happens is someone goes into these rooms and takes an impulse response mm-hmm. of these different mm-hmm. rooms, mm-hmm. and I haven't actually done any impulse response responses of my own but this is a thing that you can actually do yourself uh you'd have to look up the science behind it and the techniques because i haven't bothered because i just use the gear it's a lot of work yeah but technically what these are are the way you um people emulate these different classic rooms and i'm pretty sure they have impulse responses of skywalker ranch oh yeah yeah oh yeah concert halls or whatever yeah yeah i know that two of the biggest libraries uh altiverb is a great reverb plugin and they do an amazing job. Neither Dom or I own that plugin or use it, 
but a lot of the people that we work with uh, love that plugin. So that's a great one. One that I personally use is East West Spaces. And East West um, is, is a big company used by film designers, composers, movie scorers. And this is an, um, it's not an algorithmic reverb. So an algorithmic reverb is like the Sonics uh, reverb or the R2 reverb by Exponential D-verb, Audio, D-verb. Exactly. Exactly. If you have a logic, if you're a logic pro user and you have space designer, space designer is a convolution reverb. And that's what East West spaces is. It's a convolution reverb. And that's what Altiverb is. And Altiverb goes a bit deeper, but essentially what we're getting at here is that there's two kinds of reverb guys. There's algorithmic reverbs and there's convolution-based reverbs. And if you're curious about this, if you go to the Continuum Music Studio, there's a four-part blog series on the different types of reverb. But to give you a crash course, algorithmics give you a ton of options. A CAC, decay, release, a CAC. A CAC. <laughs> Gotta love that, a CAC. Uh, it's getting late. It's like midnight for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, they give you a ton of options, but convolution or impulse response based. So you get less control, but they actually, like the East-West one is so cool. They'll say like converters, Neve, uh, microphones, coals, and they'll give you the chain. So they'll tell you exactly what gear and all these impulse responses are with people and top engineers going into these rooms with highly expensive gear and capturing the responses off the walls and then giving that to you in a plugin, which is really cool. Yeah, it's really sweet. I'm gonna have to check out these Neve converters. I've never heard of them before. You mean, you mean, really? I will show you. I've never seen them, but I think that they- I thought you misspoke and you meant preamps. No, 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 no. It says, it said converters. Oh, crazy. Um, it's funny. <laughs> I like imagine like a nice uh, round bottom end right. <laughs> for these deep converters. It might have been preempt. What just happened? Oh, I, you I scratched. Yeah. Oh, uh, but regardless, I just. But I the like, point is, yeah. they show you the whole signal chain, oh, yeah. which is great. You get cool options, but it's completely different. Very than, different. Because it's it's is it recorded sound already? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. So what what they do is they capture they take snapshots of like the yeah. reverb at different moments. They and call apply, them capture. Yeah, so they yeah. capture audio segments of the room and then let's say you're working on a synth you can then run your synth through your um your reverb that has that snapshot or that capture of that audio and you can use it the thing is you can't change like time of it so like let's say for instance the reverb decay is four seconds on a convolution reverb you can't make that two seconds well that's because it's legit it's doing it to the room exactly it's measured by the distance of the walls what a room sounds like so it's it's pros and cons. Like Dom is a big R two guy. You know that's his favorite. Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Not not since you got the lexicon. Yeah, exactly. Well, hardware is always gonna beat software out. I mean, <laughs> it's so, great, sorry though. guys, we we hate to we hate to admit it, but it really does. <laughs> um, but in the box for a reverb, would yeah. you say the exponential audio R two is is my go to okay. definitely. Cool. Like I just anytime I try something else, I always just end up going back to it. Nice. It is good. I I demoed it. It's great. Yeah. I would say. My, my hands are tied between the Sonics Oxford reverb. I love that. And I also love the East West spaces. Um, the Sonics is obviously algorithmic, 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 yeah. <laughs> like the R2. Uh, and then the spaces as convolution. But I haven't tried a lot of reverbs. Like I'm sure I'd love East West spaces because nice. I mean, it's good. You know, I'm just, I haven't tried them. You've, you have some others though. No, you I have, ha- no, I have EMTs, no, oh, don't no, you? I have universal audio. Yes. Yeah. And I, that was my favorite for a while, but that was also just stuck on plate. Yeah. That's yeah. replicating the plate hardware um, that we mentioned before. But 
I, I mean, there's a lot of great ones. Like you were saying, the Altiverb, I've never tried it. I've never tried East-West Spaces. Um, there's few that are kind of classics yeah. within yeah. the mixing community that I've just never bothered to download or try. So definitely try these. There's some great plug-in there reverbs are. out there. The Lexicon Bundle, never tried it. Those are all really good. Yeah. And what I like about the Lexicon ones, like the R2 and Spaces, they're very clean. The Lexicons are dirty. In a good way. They're they're grungy, they're grimy, and they give it that Lexicon hardware vibe. Yeah. So I like that a lot too. Yeah, I think for reverb application, um, let's go back and forth on a couple of things. So like yeah. when when do you use a room reverb? What do you drums. Remember? Drums. Drum uh yeah, if you have some really dry drums and you want them to gel a little bit, then yeah. Get I them, agree. Get that's, them on that's a drum my bus. favorite place for rooms too. The cool thing about a room, guys, is it's it's centered. Like it's it's and close they're short. To you. They're it's really short. they're yep. really short, and they're just for tone. They're more yeah. tone than like that big old space you're used to hear when you think of reverb. It's, right. You really don't hear it. No. It just adds like a slight tail yeah. and like a little bit of sustain. But what what I recommend, guys, if you're doing drum reverbs, and I use rooms on my drums all the yeah. time, is low pass them high pass them, just kind of get the mid range out of it. And then often you can actually run it through like a saturator or yeah. even like oh, a yeah. parallel compressor. And it sounds really good. I like to, when something's playing at the same, like for instance, if you have room mics, mm. um, I like to actually just reverb that instead of the actual drum set. If mm. it works that way, mm. that way I can just smash the reverb with the room mic. So you're talking like a room mic that's set up like 10 feet away from the drum kit. Or are you talking just like however the, it's the set overheads? Up. No, the room mics. The physical room yeah. Mics. If I okay. have a room mic to deal with, sometimes I like just drowning that in reverb and then mm. smashing it. And so the reverb kind of grooves mm. with the drum set. Interesting. Um, while I, you know, just stress the crap out of right, the, right. the room mic or whatever. Right. Um, but that's only if you have a room mic, but most of the time I do get a little bit of reverb going on the, um, the drum set. I've been a big fan of just choosing one reverb and kind of just using that for everything. Mm. Like getting, that's Let, another technique. Let's let's talk about that because yeah. that ties into my next question because I would agree I use rooms mostly on drums or like an individual source. So let's say maybe I want to like create a guitar part in a yeah. verse, for instance. I might use a, a, a room reverb on the verse and then maybe when I get into the chorus, I'll switch that to a plate or a yeah. hall, you know, for a little variance. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that because like yeah. my two reverbs of choice are plates first, then rooms, mm -hmm. and then I would probably rank halls after that, and then convolution, and then probably a chamber. So let's say that you're using a reverb um, across your whole track, and and you want to add a second reverb. How how do you integrate the second reverb, and how do you allocate your sends and stuff like that? So it's a huge part of it is how wide things are, because I don't want another reverb that's taking up the same space as my plate. And uh, interesting, yeah. So like, if it's gonna be another reverb, it's gonna be something that's gonna add depth you know like because plates can be not very deep you know depending no. on um especially in the plug-in world like right. you might have to add another reverb just to get something a little bit deeper if you want but right so let's let's just we're we're only talking about plugins now so let's just talk yeah. that because everyone cool. can relate yeah, yeah um so if we're in the plug-in world um a lot of times what will happen is you get a really nice wide plate and it sounds great yes but then you're still missing a little bit of gel in the center and then mm -hmm. that's when you start getting into your rooms or maybe even your halls or mm -hmm. chambers are great for that too cuz they they're they were known for being long and narrow right. and just super just deep gorgeous reverbs right. and so putting in a little bit of that really dialing in the decay so the width of the plate a lot of times would um kind of come from not having such a long decay on it and then for your center reverb, you can have a little bit longer of a decay or vice versa. Just 
just basically choosing the opposite of whatever the wide one right, was doing. Right. Because a lot of times in this, um, just to get things sounding modern and more professional, you want things to sound decently wide and having a nice re- wide reverb is what does that. And so I usually I start with that and then fill in the gaps with anything else. Nice. Yeah. I, I like to start with plates myself, uh, rooms for drums. And I usually have those tucked in so much you really can't even, you yeah. don't even know they have reverb on them. But I will say for me, the difference is, is a hall is going to add height. Because if you think about the, yes. how tall... Yeah. So if I want the mix to expand out the top of the speakers, I'll use a nice big hall. Mm-hmm. And then what I'll do is if I want to fill out that center range, um, generally, I'll actually use delays instead of a reverb. To oh, we haven't like even occupy. gotten there no. yet, though. Yeah, we but will. Will. That's why we're segwaying. Yeah. We're a lot slowly segwaying. A lot of this stuff can be uh, interchanged with delay if you don't want anything super like muddy, I guess, because reverb does add mud. You it's, just, it's washy. Yeah, it can be, but... Yeah. And if you guys don't know, reverb is essentially just a combination of a ton of short delays yeah. compiled together. That's all that's, reverb is. That's how the algorithmic ones work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, um, but I agree with you. I think that if you guys take anything from this discussion of how to use multiple reverbs on a track, it would be to understand where your spare spectrum is. So if you need something more in the middle, Dom made a great point of using a more narrow reverb or room reverb. If you're looking to spread out your spare spectrum a little bit, you can use a hall or a plate. And the hall will give you top to bottom. The plate will give you left to right. Yeah. Let me uh, touch up on something that you yeah. kind of brought up is because yeah. uh, we didn't, we've been talking about these different reverbs. We didn't talk about why we, what really helps when you use them. And mm. you talked about making things taller and wider. And yes. we've mentioned that, but it's really nice when you, especially um, in maybe like a softer rock mix or something, when you just don't have hard edges at the edge of your stereo spectrum or, um, what do you call your, it's not stereo, but up and down, like your, your height of your sound, I guess you could say. Sure. So like reverbs really help blur the edges of your sound. And it they seems do. like it kind of engrosses you into the music a little bit better instead of having this definite box that the music mm-hmm. sitting in, mm-hmm. it just kind of blurs the edges and just lets you mm-hmm. naturally just get into it a little bit more. And it just, we just love it because we hear reverb everywhere we go. So if you have a really stark pop track, it sticks out a lot. Right. And right. cause it's, it's just different. We're not used to hearing like we're in this room right now. We're going to edit out a lot of this reverb. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great point. I think, you know, for me, what, what I've always enjoyed about mixing is the theory or the concept of pushing the sound beyond the speakers. Yeah. So it's like, that's where like reverb really comes into play because you can clearly feel, you know, if you hard pan something, you know, left and right, you can feel where the edges and you, you actually feel like there's confined walls around yeah. you, around the sound. So what a nice reverb will do is if you time, and reverb is all about timing, guys. I really can't stress that enough. Like people think, and this is like the only the only detriment to, to reverb plugins and even to reverb hardware to that extent is that they come with a plethora of packages or presets. There's yeah. usually a hundred or more presets per reverb. And the problem is, is most people find a tonal sound like, oh, that's bright, or oh, that's airy, or oh, that's atmospheric, or oh, that's giving me a nice, nice vertical like dimension. But you don't really take the time, or people don't take the time to look at your attack and your decay and your, um, you know, your where your parameters are set, or even the time of the reverb. And I think a lot of people don't time their reverbs to their track. And I feel like that's a big detriment because reverb is a timing thing. So if your timing is off in the reverb, you actually, you might be getting the width or the height, but you might be actually doing damage to the timing structure of your arrangement. 
Yeah, the length of the reverb is huge, yes. and your pre-delay is huge. Huge. There's so much stuff we could talk there about is. with reverb. It's there ridiculous. Is. Well, let's let's because I think that's good for reverb. Let's let's talk about delays. Yeah. Okay. So, with delay and reverb, I love both because you can choose what's up front. And so, okay, so before I even get onto that, delay can be obvious. You can make reverb super obvious. Yes. When we're talking about delay and reverb in these instances, um, I'm just going to say that we're kind of talking about more of tasteful um, applications to manipulate the depth of a song and the width of a song. Right. So there's, because there's obvious effect reverb where there's no bars held to where you could just go crazy and say this was a creative choice. Right. Same thing with delay. It's like, sure. I just want to delay the crap out of this vocal. Sure, sure. So, but we're going to do, we're talking about more like tasteful um, stuff behind the scenes where you might not even know it's there, but right. it's really helping the sound in a very pleasing way. So with delay and reverb, it's all about the depth and width. And when we're talking about these tasteful mixing practices and delay, I love doing a short stereo delay, meaning that, there's a delay basically going at the same time, but it's manipula getting manipulated by the Haas effect. So mm -hmm. one delay on the left is being um, about like, I usually go about 10 milliseconds slower or faster than the delay on the right side. Mm -hmm. And um, I love, everyone loves Echo Boy who uses oh, it. But because it's, it's not that it has basically emulates with the, um, it does, it emulates basically every classic yep. piece of gear. Yep, you have the does. space echo, yep. the, um, what was that? The, the memory, memory man, man yep. like so many. Yeah. And then even has like uh reverb, so many things, yeah. but then it yeah. also has ping pong, mono and um or double and single yeah reverb. and, and then more like rhythm and there's rhythm and ones like that yeah but sure. i i love the double because my favorite thing with echo boy it's a little trick if you don't like doing this or didn't know about this is you can set your tempo in the plugin right right correct yep you can midi sync it <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah you can midi sync it or tap it if you don't right. have the tempo yep. Yep. but so i always tap it or midi sync it Go to the time. You can choose if you want it to be time-based or um, just free. Mm -hmm. And so I go to the time. You know, you get like yep. a quarter note and quarter yep. note. Yep. And then I move it to free and it gives you the, the quarter note in milliseconds. And then I adjust that off on mm. purpose mm. to make it feel a little bit that's more cool. human. That's cool. And uh, that's generally if I'm using it more of an effect. So if you're actually going to really be hearing it. Otherwise, if I'm going to use it to really like get something that big, wide, unrealistic, but definitely modern sound, I'm doing like... 30 milliseconds on one side, maybe 40 on the other. Mm. Or, and then if I want it further back in the mix, so I'm going to, it's going to be shorter if it's going to be like a lead vocal. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing like a 35 and a 45 or a 30 and a 40. And then anything else I want to sit back further, yeah. I'll maybe shrink it in. So I'll make that pretty wide. Then I'll shrink in the stereo field on the ones I want further back and then also make the delays longer. So it might be like 65 and 75 mm -hmm. and then push that maybe even up more. So, there's a lot of engineers that love using delay in lieu of reverb because it's, it's less obvious it's and true. it kind of does the same thing. It's, right. You're basically getting the very instance of a reverb when right. you do that. Right. And it's just it's just weird stereo depth manipulation that works really well. And once mm -hmm. you get a handle of it, it is amazing. That it is, yes. If you understood any of that. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's not my shot, is it? It is, no. yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Uh -huh. Your stripes. Yeah, um, yeah I, I will have to say that I... I wish I could pick between the two. Like a lot of professional quote unquote engineers say that they don't like um, using reverb as much as delay and they, they find that delay is better. And for me, I find both equally as appealing uh, for different applications. And I think now that I'm 
like really submerged in the world of EDM, I've, I've found a new respect for reverb because it really does add a nice wash, especially when panned hard right or left or something. Especially like that. when you're working with a trance track. Oh my God. So <laughs> speaking of that, I'll give you guys an example. So I'm working on, I just got done working on this trance track for an artist. Okay. And like, like he sent me some files and like, clearly these were like straight out of a sound pack The delays were programmed into them. They were super wet and saturated. So I said, Hey, you know, let me create new delays and that I feel like that synchronized better in the track. And here's the thing about delay that I love doing. Like I'm a big ping pong delay guy, love ping pong delays. I couldn't tell you exact milliseconds like Dom got a chance to break down because that's always track dependent for me yeah. and I'm all over the place all the time. Uh, but I'd say his- well, especially his, with ping pongs. Oh like, yeah. I have a specific stereo widening idea. You know, that's for yeah, a no, that's great. thing. Yeah. No, I love that idea yeah. of, of switching it to yeah. the freeform too and, yeah. and detuning slightly with milliseconds yeah. or offsetting. Yeah. That's great. I think it's really cool. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to try that. Um, but for me, what I like doing with delays is I like actually um, doing like figuring out where they're going to go in the stereo spectrum. And then I, I modulate heavily one side. So like for me, like Dom talked about stereo width, delay will definitely give you that. But another thing that will give you more stereo width is contrast in your frequencies. So if the delay is a quarter note, like what I like to do is quarter note on one side, eighth note on the other. And then what I'll do is I'll actually make those um, I'll find a way to even split them and make them mono and separate them that way, or I'll pan them differently and then I'll darken one side. So I'll have my, my quarter note delay on the right pinging very quickly or not as quickly and be brighter. And then I'll have the other one going half the time of that, but being darker. And that's, that's the quickest way to create a bigger stereo image is most people think, okay, if you have a synth, Okay, and you pan it 34% left, and you take that same synth and double it and pan it 34% right, you think that's stereo width. And technically- That's big mono. That is, but yes, it's big mono. It's not real stereo width. You get your stereo width by, let's say, uh, high passing one side, low passing the other side, adding saturation to the left, adding a harmonic enhancer to the right. That's what's gonna give you more width, is processing the frequency spectrum differently. You, so I think, go ahead, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was going to say you brought up uh, making one side darker maybe and one side... So how often do you affect your return, uh, effect returns? Every time I work with them. Yeah, so that's really, that's really important to me too. So a lot of people will find the sweet reverb that they think is amazing. And it might be, you know, who knows? Teach yeah. his own. Yeah, yeah, um, right. And they'll slap it. Most, I mean, so back in the day, we used to have to... Uh, we like I was in the back of the day. No, I'm I'm young. Um, but back when, in the nineties, yeah, back when people when, when were Dom using, was three, yeah, back <laughs> back when people were using consoles all the time. The only way to use a reverb realistically, <laughs> if you had the hardware, is to put a send uh, effect send right, on there, and right. then so you'd send to a different track or bus um, that the console had, and. Um, send whatever you wanted to through auxes. And uh, it's it's the same concept in DAWs, but now we have the luxury of putting things on individual tracks if we want. And so um, what is nice about still using the old school sends is you can send multiple things to one reverb, save some on some CPU instead of having to duplicate that reverb all the time. Yep. But you can also affect it afterwards yep. in its own processing chain. Because yep. if you put a reverb or delay on let's see your lead synth or something and you try to affect that lead uh, reverb or delay right after you're going to be affecting the lead synth as well. Mm -hmm. Cause you're only going to be having that reverb or delay on probably like 10% wet or whatever. Right. You know? And right. so 
it's really important to us to affect. And so what, how were some ways that you affect delays or reverbs? And let's talk on, about just on, general. On the returns. On yeah, the not like returns. super creative stuff, but just to help it fit general, in the mix. Uh, general, I would say I'm, I'm always uh, low cutting and high cutting the delays. Yeah. Uh, another really general thing is using saturation uh, to bring out the harmonics and soften things or brighten things. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I do is I'll add, so if I have it a delay, I'll add a reverb after it. So I'll, yeah. I'll reverb Use the delay. Use both together. Yeah, or vice versa. Thought? Exactly. Or if I have a reverb, I'll add a delay after it. Um, another cool thing to do is to add, add a compressor. This is like a, a big part of my workflow is compressed delays or compressed reverbs. And there's multiple reasons to do that. So what's, Absolutely. what, um, oh yeah, it's your shot. So I'll, I, I guess I'll talk about it. Field the question I'll have, you asked yourself. I don't have anything to say about it actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so you can compress a reverb. One thing that um, logically makes sense to me is that if you compress a reverb, then when you do your compressing later, it is already going to be compressed and it's not going to do any tricky business on you because what compression does is raise up a noise floor inevitably. Um, it's an artifact that we don't always like about it, but noise floor means reverb. If you're putting reverb in, that's just a bunch of noise you're adding to the sound. And so if you compress it, it will bring it in your face better. But if you balance a compressed reverb, then you won't, it will already be brought up and there won't be as much trickery later down the road. That's true. But my favorite reason to compress a reverb is to actually side chain the reverb to whatever you're compressing or whatever you're putting the reverb on. And right. so, yeah. So you're saying, for instance, if you, if, if you didn't want the reverb to be so washy and you wanted the kick to cut through, you could set your, your kick as the side chain trigger to the reverb. So the, the reverb ducks out when the kick hits kind of. Thing. Well, that would be an EDM thing. Just to add some pumping. And that's, that's always fun too, sure. to create some pumping ambience. But I mean, like, let's say we have like a rock track, or even if you're just putting some, um, vocals on an, or reverb on a vocal track in the EDM song. Right. You, uh, if I don't want the vocals to be drowned in reverb all the time, but I really like the tail of it, mm -hmm. you duck it mm -hmm. with the compressor. And then that way, when the vocal's going, the reverb's down. Mm -hmm. But when the vocal stops, it right. swells back up. So if you set your release time properly, it swells up in a very beautiful way at the very end. Mm -hmm. And you still get that nice reverb tail. So you're like, wait, I didn't know that reverb was on there the whole time. That sounds really nice. Mm -hmm. Then it goes away again. And yep. so it comes, the vocal comes back up in your face. And it kind of just pumps with the vocal a little bit. And you right. have to get really good with your settings. Um, I like the Elysia Impressor for that. That's yep. my one yep. of my go-to. Just It's all in my... I, on my template, I have a very basic template now in a previous podcast. I said I didn't use them. I basically don't still, but I have delay and reverb sends up mm. and I just have like a crap ton of plugins that I usually use on there. Nice. And then, but what saves me time is that I know that I'm always going to have an EQ and a compressor and maybe a saturator after all of my, um, effects. And even if I don't want to use them, they're just bypassed, but right. I can just turn them on immediately. And on my fab filter plugin after it, I already have a high pass and low pass nice. at the very edges, but I can right. just bring them in in a, in a second. And so yeah. that's, that's the yeah. extent of my template, but it saves me a lot of time. Cause I know I'm going to be using at least two or um, three reverbs and delays per track. Sometimes it's only one, but you just never know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, those are all great, great tricks. I love uh, the vocal thing. Uh, that works great for delays too, guys. And you can automate that as well, which is also a great idea. So to pick up where Dom tied it on the reverb, let's say for instance that, you know, you like this slap delay, for instance, on a vocal, but it's too much when the main vocal is going, but let's say they pause 
in between the verse and the chorus and you just want a nice slap to carry out, what? you know, by ducking that out and then letting the compressor pop back in, you're going to get the slap at the end of the phrase instead of all through the dialogue. So great, great ways with side chaining compression also works well with gating too. I'm a yeah. big fan of gating. I know one of the plugins I used to use a lot that I don't use anymore because I have better alternatives now, but was Isotopes Alloy 2. And the reason I liked that so much a couple of years ago is it had an external side chain that you could route to anything and the gate was could be triggered by that too. So nice. I could get a compressor or a gate pumping with whatever I wanted to, which was great. Um, so the last thing we want to talk to you guys about, uh, which ties into the, our time-based effects, is stereo width and talking about like wideners. We've already covered how reverb can widen the track. We just mm. covered how delays can widen the track. So let's talk about the the quintessential stereo widener plugin. Ooh, um, I have been using these a lot, and it's not blatantly throwing them on tracks. I, I, I mean, I really love stereo widening plugins. Um, Joey Sturgis makes a great one, um, and so. There is a lot of stigma surrounding stereo widening plugins. People say you shouldn't need you shouldn't need them, you shouldn't have to use them, you shouldn't use them. It's going to cause a bunch of phasing problems. And the phasing problems can be very very true. Um you have to be very careful with these things. Um and but what I use them for is that there's certain ones that they just bring a 3D element mm -hmm. to whatever you're doing and mm -hmm. I'm not generally using these stereo widening plugins to get massive stereo width. Usually how I get my stereo width is something is just contrasting on either side, like you are saying with the delay. Right. And then I'll boost it more with a stereo control plugin, mm. which is very different. It takes something sure. that's already stereo and boosts it more. Right. And so that generally has right. less problems. Right. Um, you've already done the um, engineering to make something wide. Right. But what I love about stereo widening plugins is using them very subtly and it just takes the focus like that very sharp center focus out. And so for instance, a track I re mixed recently, I had um, acoustic guitar part and it was very high pass. It was a very busy track. So it wasn't a major part in the song and I wanted it to sit like above your head. And so the Brainworks stereo maker, mm -hmm. is that what it's called? Yeah. Yep. Um, I love it because you can choose a mono point. You can choose which part, um, which, which frequency under a certain point yeah at which frequency the yeah, source like will remain where you mono. Can make it mono yeah so you could set it 80 hertz and everything i think it goes up to 250 it yeah but i'm just saying if yeah you exactly to, yeah okay. but then you can also choose the emphasis the frequency that's going to be stereo and so i'll choose right. like right 202.5 kilohertz and then that is just slightly stereo mm -hmm. and it just makes this like 3d effect above your head and it kind of like puts a uh, roof on the sound it's it's interesting that's cool little things and I, yeah. I like i put a stereo widener i'm just saying examples that i've tastefully used it where you wouldn't even know right. and so there was a top and bottom snare mic i used a stereo widener on the bottom snare just to because it was very uh sharp and I just want to kind of wash it out and let it sit a little bit. Mm. It just adds a little bit of bigness to the track, a little bit of, I don't know, excitement. It's just something, something different. It yeah. just takes it out of the raw world and makes it sound produced in a way to yeah. where it's like, this isn't natural, which to an extent is what we think of as produced. Right. You I know? agree. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I do a lot of really interesting things actually with stereo widener's um and then to, on effects too like you can start Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, you can yeah, stereo widening effects is actually a great idea yeah. and I actually have a stereo widener that usually makes it on my effects the bus. Waves. 
the waves. I love the waves. The S1 Imager, that's my favorite stereo widener. Um, a couple of my other favorites are the Joey Sturgis Sidewinder. That's an amazing plug-in. Um, I also like the Synoxis uh, widener. That's also a great plug-in. Um, and I think with widening, what, what I use it for is to parlay off what Dom said. One, you do have to be careful with phase because it will push things out of phase. That's if you care, though. That's 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 my point I'm going to make right yeah. now is usually when I push things out of phase, it's because I don't want them in mono. It's like, for instance, with an EDM track. Okay, this is where, uh, you know, these stereo widening plugins are starting to come in. Yeah. Okay, let's say... I, I ascribe to the big three rule, okay? There can only be three elements that a listener can hear at any time. So let's say we're in the drop, okay? And we're listening to a kick, we're listening to a main melody line, and we're listening to the beat. So whatever else is going on, maybe there's these really cool swelling pads that are coming out. People aren't listening to that. Their brains cannot compensate that much information in one. They can focus on three Mine things. Mine sure can't. Mine can't either. No one's can. That's how we're wired. We're really simple creatures. So if you're focusing on a grooving drum beat and on a melody, on the kick drum or the vocal, whatever one, if it's not a vocal track, that's it. So the pads really aren't there. So check this out. Now all of a sudden, you widen them. So when you're having a headphone experience, you're like, whoa, this is cool. Like I have this extremely wide effect going on. You flip it into mono, it's gone. So I almost do it on purpose. Yeah, but you said pads. So you're yeah. already saying that they're wide already and you're just pushing them out even more. Even wider. Yeah. But that's, see, that would be a stereo control plugin. You're not taking something that's inherently mono. Like when do you get oh, mono pads? No, no, no. I, I never widen anything that's mono. No, I That's only... what stereo widening plugins do. Yeah. You're talking but... about like the S1 is a stereo control plugin. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess put it this way. When I, when I have a mono source, I'll explain this from my workflow. When I have a mono source, I never use a stereo widening plugin to widen a mono source. If I'm going to widen a mono source. That's what I was talking source, about with the acoustic okay. guitar and the, the, um, bottom snare mic. Gotcha. It's like, cause that helps it just seem a little bit bigger. And it's like, why is this slightly like bigger than it needs? You know, it's, gotcha. it's not a lot. Like yeah. people really wouldn't notice it unless I told them and they really listened. Gotcha. I think if, if that's the case, and I like that approach, I think that approach is cool. The reason why I haven't experimented with that with mono, because generally instruments that are in mono are important and they don't want to, you don't want to make them go away. But, but in like, a rock mix, everything's in mono. That's what oh, I'm yeah. getting at. I had 75 tracks of mono tracks. Mm, you, you know what I mean? I you know where I'm going? Yeah. Like well, things are going to have to be stereo in yeah. one way or another. And well, there's certain modern ways of doing it that I'm trying. I agree. To, it's okay. my experimentation. All right, then we'll do this. I'll, yeah. I'll touch on that and yeah. then I'll use, I'll use my, so if I was going to do that, one of the plugins that I like is the plugin Alliance Vitalizer because it has a stereo with function on well, it. Well, that's what the Joey Sturgis one does. Too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what I would do is, for instance, Dom mentioned the 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 bottom snare he widened. If I had a, a, a track like that, honestly, I don't remember the last time I worked with a mono snare because most of the stuff that I get now are samples yeah. from people in EDM and they're always stereo. Um, but I would say if I if I was working with a top and bottom snare situation, what I would do is use a vitalizer, but I would extend the top. So let's say... Let's say the snare is pan 10% to the left. I would leave the bottom 10% to the left so the hit's right there. And then I would extend out the top of it so the crack is at 10% of the left and then the drift of it. So it's and it, it sweeps over to the right. That's just disorienting. It's not. It's, it's actually <laughs> a big trick that I learned from Dave Pensato, of all people. Um, I actually learned about the Vitalizer through him as well, probably three or four years ago in one of his videos. 
And that's what he did on one of his snares on one of his tracks. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Because what you hear then, you hear the impact of the snare where the snare is, and then you hear like the high frequencies, like three, four, five K off to the right. And it's really cool. Cause it, it's, it's like, it's making, it's stretching the drums and creating this really cool, like flicker on your ear. It's yeah. Like and that's going to retain mono compatibility perfectly. It will. And see yeah. the thing, like my bottom snare was barely blended in. Like most of this snare was top snare. I just want some of that basket sound. And so I was like, if this is going to be in here, I'm going to do something fun with it. Sure. You know, yeah. it's like almost like a re almost, it's basically the same thing as adding a reverb at that point, right. like a yeah. kind of a wide reverb. Or delay. Yeah. Anything. It's just, yeah. it just helped widen it a little bit, yeah. but that's really cool because anytime you can make things sound kind of wide, but at different times, it's going to summon to mono perfectly. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not playing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, not like he cared at that point either. I'm talking about no. Dave. No, um, no, he but, didn't care. Yeah. Dave um, doesn't care about anything. So that's really cool. But that's a, also a good point is panning slightly left and right is really nice. Like people don't think about, they think oh, I'm going to hard pan the shit to the right or something. But if you pan things like to mm. five or 10, either oh, way. There's a big difference yeah. between seven and five. Just get things out of the middle. Yeah. If Yeah. It's Sp really nice. Out. Yeah. I would say that that if you're working in mono before I would even reach for a stereo widener, oh, yeah. I would pan the shit out of everything. I think I used that to only those two instances of stereo widener on that track. Yeah. But to me, it made the whole difference. Well, and that's, but, yeah. that's a cool effect. Yeah. And that's a really nice thing yeah. to add. So yeah, I would say I agree with Dom on the, the concept of mono tracks. Um, because I don't work a lot, my, my work and rock these days are slim and yeah. even, you know, honestly now people are triggering so much mm -hmm. and using slates trigger and sample swapping that, I mean, a lot of people like stairs and stereo. It's just a big part of our new music culture, but I would say for, um, for sidewinding plugins, um, I use them more for mid side enhancement. So like, for instance, I'll use a widener when I want to clear out the middle and I'm like, yeah. okay, this doesn't need to be in the middle. We've already got three things in the middle, push it out to the side. I'll do it when I deliberately want to put things out of phase. So like when you put on, like, let's say you're in the club or whatever, or on your phone, which is a great thing. And then let's say you go home with your nice pair of Bose noise cancellation headphones. And you're like, holy shit, where did this pad come from? That's really cool. So for me, I want to create a different experience for the listener between different uh, speakers, different environments, different settings, um, et cetera. So I would say with stereo wideners, um, that's my approach with them. And yeah, so I think the hierarchy for me would be if we could talk about the four methods of, of time-based effects, I would say A, which is not a time-based effect, panning should be number one before you yeah. reach for a delay or reverb or anything, pan, pan, pan. Well, we could talk about um, like stereo field manipulation at this point, like the four things of that instead of like just straight up time-based because right, most of the things we're talking about like weren't even time-based, like true. stereo widening. That's true, that's stuff, true. But yeah. All right, so, so. we'll say my, my hierarchy would be I pan everything yeah, first. absolutely. If I can't get what I want with panning, I use delays. If mm -hmm. I, if I want to get a, a larger, bigger, washier, more atmospheric thing, I'll use a reverb. And at the point where I can't achieve what I want to do with any of those things, or I'm looking for an effect or I need to clear out the middle, I'm using a, a, uh, stereo widener. And then you get really advanced and use all four at the same time. That's true. Bust like together honestly, a lot of the things end up doing like this cause I'm, I'll have a stereo widener on my reverb. Yep. That might be feeding yep. into delay. Yep. <laughs> you know, you can send your sends into oh, sends into yes, sends. You can. You into can. Sends and, into sends. and you should, honestly, because like I, I, the last mix I did was a trance track. And the one thing I did was I used mid side processing on a reverb, and that reverb was sent to a delay. Yeah. And it you, sounded great. Yeah. Do 
experiment like with my stereo widening escapades it's all experimental and i'm like we have this new tool that everyone hates and so it means a lot of or not everyone hates but a lot of people say to don't use it so i'm like i'm gonna use it i'm gonna be a rebel i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna make it tasteful and do it my own way i'm gonna do the the dom stereo widening way you know and just choose things just to make it just take it out of that that rawness, you know, I, I like trying to studio things up um, just for practice. You got to have fun. Yeah. Too. But I think the I will say this, guys. The only reason stereo widening has got a bad rap is because it's easily abused and it can do a lot. It would cause a lot more problems if you don't know what you're doing. And that I think that's the only reason why if, if people didn't abuse it so much, it'd probably get a better rap because you can abuse reverb just as easily as you can abuse a stereo widener and it's going to make your mix sound really washy and dull and weird. Yeah. So it's like you can overdo anything. Yeah. But I think that, you know, from a, a true engineering perspective, mid-side processing, which is what stereo widening technically is, it's doing things to the sides, is very tricky. And it's it, it can make a mix sound great if you do it tastefully. But as soon as you push that a dB too far, I mean, you've just in a world of problems. And I think that's you're a world of hurt. You are. You are. You're just you might, as well get all. Stitches. might as well end it all. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be good for you. But yeah, those are the uh, those are the basics. Anything else you want to uh, discuss? No, that, uh, I think we covered quite a bit. I yeah. Um, let's. We never plug anything of uh, our Facebook groups or anything. Oh, um, we do that. I'm sure most people who are listening to this probably saw this on right. a Facebook group. Right. But um, like, how can they ask us questions and let's see if Good we get some question. Okay, so we have a group called Beginner to Advanced Music Production. Yes. You guys can most certainly check us out there. We also have a group, a public group called Continue Music Studio. Which anyone, even if Anybody. you're mean or yeah, no one likes you because you're always posting negative things on Facebook, totally. join that you group. You can join that group. Yeah, the Beginner <laughs> to Advanced one. We keep it very community based, very respectful. We only let like 5,400 people in so only. far, so we're I keeping think it's it like 56. Yeah, we're but, keeping it yeah, pretty small. We're keeping like, it small. <laughs> it's a close-knit community is what Don is saying. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so you can check us out there. Obviously, we've got a Continue Music Studio fan page. Um, and then really the best way to get a hold of us too, if you guys aren't on social media or don't prefer it, which would be hard because you probably only found this podcast yeah. because you're on social media, you can always hit us, us hey. up at the Continuum Artist Community at gmail.com and we always take questions we want to learn from you guys and keep in mind too we do a weekly mix review program as well so just to give you a little bit about our our schedule guys we we do mix reviews on mondays we're shooting out some quality content for you on wednesdays with a video and then we're here on friday rocking you guys with a podcast so yeah hit us up with questions email dom personally Email me personally. Uh, Facebook message. Google, yeah, anyway, we don't mind. Group us, whatever. The worst that's going to happen is we just won't get back to you because we're busy. And honestly, we we actually, even though we are busy, we always take several hours a day to oh, read Oh, we love posts. it. Yeah, yeah. We, we get they never back have, to everybody. Like, we always yeah. get back to everyone, even if it's like, it's always, we love it. Yeah, we do. it's fun. And we, we really enjoy getting to know you guys better and interacting with you. You know, Dom and I are still students of the craft ourselves. We love to learn. So please share your techniques with us and leave us tidbits of what you guys are doing because we like to grow too. Absolutely. But in the meanwhile, just, you know, we're really glad to have you guys with us. This podcast is really, you know, taking on a new life and we're super stoked about it. So it's just good to be here with you guys. Cool. Peace. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Until later. later.